Marguerite Cristillo, and welcome to our podcast. I'm pretty excited about our guest today in and around the real estate industry now here for a bit. Uh, She is quite the extraordinary woman, and when I started talking to people about what I was doing and wanting to uh, talk to some great women and great leaders in our area, her name popped up quite a bit. So I said, I had to have a conversation with Evangeline. So let me tell you a little bit about Evangeline, and then we will chat away with her. So Evangeline started her lending career in the late 90s with the money store. I remember the money store. My husband, Joe, used to work with them. And when the money store closed, she was recruited to the financial planning field by a financial group. Evangeline's love for numbers, i got to give her kudos about that because I am not a numbers gal, uh, and strategy has welcomed with welcome change and the opportunity where she quickly fully licensed and was their youngest financial advisor. She also assisted in recruiting and building strategic partnerships, and she was halfway through completing her certified financial planner designation when she was recruited back to the lending and real estate side to handle large Bay Area projects where her team handled the sales and lending for a 120-unit condominium complex in just 10 months. Pretty impressive. Evangeline moved back to Sacramento and worked with a top-producing real estate firm in Folsom, and then she obtained her broker's license. As a professed numbers geek, she realized her love for the industry was in lending and joined Summit Funding, where she was consistently one of their top producers and numerous times their number one producer nationwide. Evangeline was a sum of funding for about seven years and transitioned to Big Valley. And then she has now moved on to the Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation platform where she operates under Alpine Mortgage. She's a certified mortgage planner, is known for her get-it-done approach to business. Uh, you can check her out at her team, scottloans.com, and we'll be posting that link here on our podcast. She loves marketing, is known for her lead-generating programs. I love how... She wears superheroes' uh, outfits and memorabilia frequently. She lives in Folsom with her awesome husband, Phil, and she's been married to since 2002, has two beautiful daughters, Annika and Bianca. Loves to travel, reading, and a good martini. Me too. I love that too. Welcome, welcome, Evangeline. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. That's quite a bio there, girl. <laughs> You've done a lot of your short years on Earth. Kind of interesting, uh, you know, from a time perspective. Like you said, you and I have been in and around the same circles for, you know, gosh, at least 15 years, right? And uh, it's interesting to see the people that are still here, the new people and the growth and all the fun changes in our industry. Mm, Yeah, the ones that are still standing, I like to say, after all the... The changes or trauma, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me really a little bit about um, the that you love about the real estate industry. I know that, like I said, you're quite the rock star. You do a lot of business with the majority of the top people in the area. But what are the parts that really, like, get you going? What's the fun stuff? 
you know, I'd probably say number one is the relationship component. I believe from a business perspective, um, there are two main categories in the way somebody approaches business, whether that's their personality, their style, the box they want to attempt to fit in. Um, so a lot of times people are going to either be relationship-based specifically or transactional-based. And um, I feel like I have a good handle on being pretty balanced with both. I love the relationship aspect. Um, for me, that's, that's key. That's extremely important. And I also love the system aspect because, you know, I'm a numbers geek. I live in numbers and systems and processes and how do we make things quicker, shorter, faster, and close, right? So I think from the relationship aspect for me that I love is the relationship with the individual partner, uh, let's say, you know, a realtor that I work with, and then in turn that individual client. So for me, I know a lot of times people will throw out that that term that by referral only clients for life, right? And and it's such a great concept. I don't think many people live it or or live it that way because they really want to. If that makes sense, right? Um, totally. And if you're and if you're not a relationship person and you're a total transactional person and you're just going to have, you know, I have friends who just have monster teams. They never ever meet with the client and they do a ton of internet-based stuff and they might get a ton of leads, but their conversion ratio is different. So it's that choice of, you know, for me, I would rather have less leads. I would rather personally have a larger back-end team um, so that I can meet with the client. You know, I sometimes get in trouble <laughs> from my coach uh, because I meet with 95% of my clients up front face-to-face for typically an hour you know, to an hour and a half. I'm just old school that way. I'm motherly. I like to meet with everybody. They don't have to. And, I mean, would you agree that buying a house is a pretty big deal? Oh, absolutely. So, it's, you know, it's 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 still the American dream. And I think we forget that a lot of times, you know. And <clears throat> on top of that, it's so stressful. I mean, no matter how good we are <clears throat> and how much we try to help the client, it's still a stressful a stressful environment. And now with with all of the changes that are going on, there just seems to be a lot of chaos in the industry, even though, you know, oh, yeah. people say, oh, yeah, we're we're prepared, we're trade ready and all that. It's like, it, it's fine that you're trade ready, but many of the other people that are part of the transaction are not necessarily <laughs> trade ready, right? Yeah, and I think part of it as well, and, and I, I kind of, I came to grips with this, um, and it was actually Jim Reed who who got me this concept, who you know as well, many years ago. And I'm a I tend to be a perfectionist. Sometimes I think that's just a woman thing, right? We want everything perfect, right. and we want everything now. And it was it's not going to be. So I've come to this realization, and even probably more so after having kids, state of chaos. And it and it do we let ourselves get wrapped up in it, or are we able to to control it and manage it? And so, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we can all attempt to have fun. And sometimes we just need to give each other a little bit of grace, right? Sometimes somebody makes a mistake, whether it's the, the buyer, the, you know, the agent, the lender, the underwriter, somebody on the back end. You know, I think if everybody takes the approach of we're all here to do it, to do it together, and more that we can do up front, the better that it's going to be. Don't you think that that's really, in my opinion, um, one of the biggest challenges in our industry is just being kind to each other, right? 
is like, what can we do? Like, at the end of the day, we all have the same goal and objective, and that is to help our clients accomplish their goals. Mm -hmm. But it it seems that many times a lot of things are caught up, um, a lot of people are caught up in, I guess the ego of it is, I don't know if that's the right word, but. You know, I think that I I feel, yeah, it's it's absolutely true. And there are also the times where, I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. I, um, people think I'm this, like, oh, super, you know, outgoing person. And people think I'm crazy when I tell them that I'm I'm really Mm -hmm. shy. Like, I love, I'm one-on-one with the client. That's my zone. So it's totally different than you putting Mm -hmm. me in a room at an event. So, you know, I can come across as being cold, but it's just because I'm the shy girl in the corner not talking to anybody, just, like, praying for somebody to come and start a conversation, right? Um, right. And sometimes people will think that it's ego, and it has nothing to do with anything, um, you know, in that regard. And like you said, even sometimes during that transaction, um, sometimes people like to point fingers or, or get involved and, you know, creating drama, and it's just, it doesn't benefit anybody, and it and it sure doesn't benefit our clients that we're there to support and and protect and you know if you will make the process seem rainbows and butterflies even when it's chaos and tears on the back end sometimes. Well, you know, I, I know that you know this well, and that if you've been in this industry long enough, no matter where you're located in the world, frankly, is you never know who you're going to be working for or who's going to be working for you or who's going to be on the other end of the deal this time versus next time. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it's such a small, small industry and world, and kindness just goes so much further. I was looking at, on my on my phone this morning. I have that Time Hop app, you know, that talks about what mm-hmm. you posted like a year ago. And it was so funny because my Time Hop today showed this little uh, post that I posted a year ago that said kindness. Uh, wait, where is it? It says, uh, I lost it now. It just says, be kind, it feels better. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just think that you just don't know who you're going to be working for, who's going to be working for you. And as an industry, I would just love to see us all work harder to help each other. It's like that that agent or that lender who when you call and they think you're a client is super nice and then as soon as they realize that you're <laughs> you're not a client like their tone of voice changes I, I want to like choke those people <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is true I have I have seen that for sure yeah you know I think that there's just a lack of leadership in our industry right so what you're doing is what you're what you're building and growing supports what we're lacking and with that lack in the industry, sometimes people just don't, sometimes they don't get it, right? It's just like being kids or teenagers. You know, I remember being younger, and I definitely, I, I'll be the first to admit, I would, I think I would probably even say five years ago, I was more um, aggressive or would get more frustrated easily by, you know, the, the people that do that, that's not my job thing, right? That's driving right. insane, you know, so for yeah. me, I look at it and went, okay, I'm just going to build my own system and my own, you know, I have a completely different team structure than any other mortgage company that I'm aware of nationwide, and I deal with a lot of them. Um, so 
you know, for me, I just looked at it and go, what do I want to do? How do I want the client experience to be? How do I want my my referral partner experience to be? And so I built that. That's awesome. So I, I love how you said, you know, the, the question, the thing that comes up where it's not my job. You know, I did a, a podcast a few months back with a guy named John G. Miller who wrote the book, the QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. And yep. great podcast. If you get an opportunity to listen to that podcast or read his book, it's it's fantastic. And his whole book, and it's a short book, the premise is really behind personal responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just just figure it out or tell me that you don't know how to figure it out so that somebody else can help you. Like I saw a post recently about new agents and they didn't they didn't want to tell the agent on the other end that they were new because they thought, well, they would be taken advantage of. And I get that. There are, are agents out there like that. But if somebody tells me they're new all day long, I'm just going to be, all right, let's figure it out. Let me see what I can do to help you. Let's figure out how to make this thing work and let me give you some suggestions on how to make it work. But I, I love we all start off somewhere. Exactly. We all start off somewhere. Mm-hmm. So one of my questions is I know that you, um, on top of being an extraordinary uh, loan officer, mortgage planner, are a mom and a wife. So how do you make all of that work? Like what would you say are some of the challenges that as a woman you deal with when trying to be super mom, super woman, do it all. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I I can tell you the things that I feel like sometimes I do well, and the things that I do really, really horrible that people can learn from. Um, my husband is in the industry as well, so as you experience, if you have that same relationship background, it makes it, in my opinion, sometimes a little bit easier because you, there's that outlet when you come home that you can have that conversation with uh, someone that somewhat gets it and it's more or can be, you know, a venting aspect, right? They, they get it. Um, my husband used to say when I would get pissed off because, you know, I would have dinner ready and he, I'm going to be home by 6 and it would be 6.45. And, you know, this is where that grace comes in. And it would be, it's not like I'm out at the bar drinking with my buddies. The client was late and it took a little bit longer. And they had questions and I wanted to make sure that they were taken care of, right? And so, you know, I think if you have that kind of understanding in your relationship of that what you're doing is you're not out partying, and you and I both know there are a lot of people in our industry that are. That's what sometimes they are doing, right? Right. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. Yes, I drive a minivan. Um, I work my butt off. And so sometimes I'm going to be late. Um, Sometimes I have to make some sacrifices or shift some things. So I think for me, one of the biggest things that I I did is um, I always focus on the number of families that I'm going to help. I do not look at the number component of it um, as far as a lot of times people look at the commission side and this kind of thing. So for me, I would rather have a larger team and make less money and have a better process and flow so that things aren't, you know, trickling over where I'm working until 9 o'clock at night. Um, so I would say, you know, it's, it's always that support. So is building the support from the business side of things um, and then also even in the home life. So I have what I call a housewife. 
um, I'm proud to say, of, you know, I, you know, you have to have people that help support you. So I have somebody that does come in once a week and helps, um, you know, clean the house, helps with laundry and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, mm. I think that's important because I want that stuff done so that when it is the evenings and the weekends, um, I'm spending more, more quality time with my family versus folding laundry. And that's just me. And what my representative things to let it go, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, don't you think that that is probably one of the biggest challenges that women deal with is learning how how to how to have that balance by letting go of some stuff, right? Like, you know, we try to do everything and we try to do it ourselves and we try to do it perfect. And learning to delegate is, I think, one of the most valuable things that, that you can learn, both in your personal life and your professional life. Yeah, I would say the other thing that for me is probably uh, key is I feel sometimes people attempt to separate their business and their personal life too much. In our industry, I I tease that I manage fear and emotions all day long. And that's just what doing lunch is. And for me, because I I focus on the relationship end of it, you know, I want to be able to work with somebody from a referral partner that if they're calling me Sunday at 8 p.m. and they need me and they need a pre-qual or they need a pre-approval letter, I can look at my phone and say, oh, that's my friend Denise calling me. She needs my help, not transactional and put them to voicemail of I'll call them back, you know, business hours. So for me, it's part of bringing um, that, that my business, my career, is it's part of my overall life. I don't segregate it. So, um, you know, the people that I work with, they're friends. They're like family. I, you know, part of them were, you know, over at Thanksgiving. Um, they know my kids very well. I did a big intention board event where I brought in a babysitter and food for my past clients and referral partners and held it at my house. So those relationships are just so different, and those are what's important to me. People come in and out of our lives all the time, and if I can build the relationships that I find value from, that when I'm working and I'm, and I'm busting my butt, I know it's for that person that I have that relationship with, it's completely different than saying, I'm sorry that so-and-so didn't do that on whatever time. I'm more looking at it like, what the heck do I need to do to make it happen? Who do I need to go send to drive and pick something up and get it there by this time so we're going to fund, right? So for me, it's just, it's part of my, it's a complete part of my world. Do you feel like you struggle a little bit with with balance? Like, are you able to take time off or take a day off? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, again, you, we talked about the control part, so uh, part of it's just getting better with that, and, you know, for me, part of it's been age, part of it's been growth. I do a lot of uh, training and coaching and leadership development consistently, and I always will for the rest of my life, and so, you know, that's just part of it. Um, there's a great book, Fierce Conversations. I actually gave you that book. I remember that. A yes, you years ago. did give me that book. Yeah, that is yeah. a great book. I, you, you, did, know? you know, it's funny because I was just talking to, I just did a podcast yesterday with uh, Matt Atchison. Yeah. And he, and he mentioned that book. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have that book. <laughs> I forgot yeah, you gave and it to me. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the premise, right? The, the, the relationship or the conversation is the relationship. And so sometimes when I think of it in those terms, 
I can calm down and have a little bit more patience or more grace or whatever it may be. You know, and again, for me, I like the relationship part of it. I'm throwing a huge community event on Sunday. It's no charge. We're doing pictures with Santa. Um, I extend that out to my referral partners so they can plug in, and it's an event they can promote as theirs, and it's no cost to them. So, again, for me, that's my – I love the the partnering, the giving back, the doing things together. That's important to me. So let's talk a little bit about your team and, and the leadership part of it. How many people do you have on your team? Five. Five. And how – Tell me a little bit about how your team works. So just give me a little bit of a brief idea of the structure of your team. Yeah. So um, I have a front-end person that you might refer to. You know, I call her my executive assistant, and she deals with scheduling, admin, office, you know, things, and marketing. I have my uh, front-end person that assists on the lead side and booking the appointments and setting the appointments. Uh, for clients to come in and meet me. One of my biggest pet peeves is phone tag. So I always like to have somebody else assisting with that so that we can get the clients what they need in and out as quickly as possible. And then I have an ops team. So most people in lending will say, oh, I have, you know, my assistant. And then there's this, you know, then really more from the company side, there's the setup person, there's the processor, and they call like a loan partner or two or something that helps gather conditions. And then you have funding coordinators and all of that. Uh, and for me, uh, I I personally just don't care for all the different things. I can completely understand if um, you have a lot of loan officers and you need to McDonaldize that portion and, you know, you have one pickle person, one catch-up person, et cetera. I totally get it. For me, the relationship part is important. So I cut out all those people, literally all of them. So on my back end, it goes from me to a transaction coordinator, and I specifically use that term transaction coordinator because I want it to flow with my referral partners. You know, the realtors use a transaction coordinator typically, so I want to be able to say, this is my transaction coordinator and this is Marguerite's transaction coordinator. They get it. it it's more understanding and for the client than saying, oh, here's my loan partner. Right. And then at that point, Confusing. it's just me. Yeah, it's just me and that person. So I... Um, when somebody comes in and meets with me, they're bringing in all of their documentation. They're actually signing the IRS 45060, Social Security, loan app, background check, all that stuff. And it, they literally, they walk out the door, it gets put onto the pipeline report, and it gets submitted directly into a TC. So I have three TCs. So I split my pipeline, and they do contracts to close. Um, I also, though, because for me, and call it motherly or whatever, I want to get as much out of the way as possible. So nine times out of ten, uh, people are already completely fully underwritten by the time they're making their offer. Because when they come in and meet with me, if everything looks good, I'll give them the approval letter and they can start house shopping, but I still put them through underwriting right at that time. If I have a concern, I'm going to tell them, do not go house hunting until you hear back from me. So they actually go <coughs> in to processing and then end up going into underwriting from the minute that they leave my office. And we do a separate update every week um, between the client and the referring realtor that just lets them know where we're at in that underwriting process. Um, and then once, you know, they're completely fully underwritten, we do a updated fully underwritten approval letter, and then there's no additional weekly updates from there. 
when they get the contract, then there's the different, you know, weekly updates that go to everybody uh, because they're in contract now. So what would you say are, are maybe some of the challenges that you deal with in managing a team? Uh, you know, I know that um, for me, many times just keeping that consistency within the team and making sure that things happen you know, like mm-hmm. you want to try to avoid micromanaging people, but you know we're also kind of control freaks. So it's like, how uh-huh. do you how do you make that how do you make that dance? How do you make that work? So um, I am a <laughs> I don't even know if I would say a recovery control freak. Uh, so there are certain parts of the things that I have learned to uh incorporated again just because I'm dialed from a system perspective. So I still do a team meeting every morning. So um I individually from a as a department perspective, so I have a you know, the one on one team meeting with my executive assistant, with my front end person and then with the ops. And then we go through the entire pipeline report. We go through the entire lead tracker as far as the last couple of days and where we're at. We have a separate system for lead follow up. So for me, um I am looking at every loan, every day, um, because I can look at it and, and they might say, oh, well, so-and-so is waiting on that. And I might go, that's awesome, and I don't care, right, because I don't want it to be that we're waiting on them. I want us to call them, and maybe we need to call them every hour because we have these other people that are, you know, I could say, oh, so-and-so didn't do their job on time, or we could take the initiative, push a little bit more, be more proactive, and get it done quicker. So I look at that um, typically every morning, I'm on the phone with you this morning at 9, so I did get that pipeline report, so we'll do it this afternoon, so we do it every morning at 9 a.m. My um, uh, executive assistant, we do it at 9.30, and then uh, with my front end, we do it at 8.50. So basically, you're taking a few minutes every day to just kind of do a quick overview of what's going on with everything? Correct. Most um, people from a lending perspective will do a pipeline report um, once a week with their processor, and I just feel like you have an entire week that things could flip or that something could be being done. Um, I think the other thing as well in regards to the team and the leadership, so they know I'm really big on that, and um, you know we do a big group team meeting every Friday morning. We have Converse Friday, so um, that's you know, our little thing, and that's kind of cool. And we go over our goals um, for where are we at from a business perspective, you know, year-to-date, where are we at based on the goals that we set as a team, where are you at individually on your goals, because I go over their personal goals with them, and we're all transparent know each other's personal goals. And then we do intentions for the week as well. So what is your intention, you know, between this Friday and next Friday? And we kind of look at that wheel of life aspect. So it could be based on, work. It could be something personal. It could be family. It could be relationship. Um, It could be saving. I go over uh, money with them and budgeting. We typically do a book club. We just uh, wrapped up uh, the Tony Robbins book, and that was super cool and rewarding um, to be able to know that I will now have an impact on them for the rest of their lives because they did and set up financial plans and did financial moves that they would not have done had we not done that book club. Or maybe they would have done it five years from now, right? So from a compound effect aspect, they're just going to be better off. That's awesome. That's quite a that's quite a book. That was a big book. I read that last. Oh year. my gosh! It took us like two months. <laughs> yeah, it was a big was one. Like, oh one my goodness! I'm like, I need to listen to that yeah. one on audio. It was a little. It was a, it was a 
a pretty big book. Yeah. That was a fantastic book. Yeah, I also do a one-on-one individually with them monthly, and so they have a choice of whether it's a coffee or a lunch. And again, just so we can get out of the office and have more of that conversation. I love that. Oh, what is your intention for the week? That's a really that's a really good one. I know that with my team, we do something similar to that. We've been working on where it's like, okay, what what's your plan for this week? Right? Keep it in short short chunks instead of getting so overwhelmed. Mhm. Mhm. And yeah. I feel you know, and maybe it's just me, and maybe it's a motherly thing again. The way that I've structured my team, because my it's just us. It's my own little unit. It's my own little branch, right? So. Um, it, we're very tight. Um, when I look to interview somebody, the rest of the team interviews them. I make them do a disc profile. There's multiple interviews. And my number one thing is making sure I'm protecting um, that that environment that we have. So what does your disc profile say about you, Evangeline? <laughs> I already I know the only, answer, I'm sure. But. I am a 99% D. And uh, <laughs> so I'm D-I but mainly D, yeah. Yeah, mine too. I think, you know, I was I was talking yesterday. What I loved about the DISC profile is that it told me how I see myself, but even better, it told me how others see me. That was pretty eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, I am not that person at all that they see. <laughs> but you totally are, you know, which is, I mean, it's a lot of good things too, but I know that... Uh, I have to be very conscious of of how I can come across so I don't, you know, piss people off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you ever find, um, because you're a very successful woman in business, um, and you had mentioned the industry aspect, and I think the industry as a whole is one component, do you ever find that from other women um, there is also this kind of like either natural, just, I don't know, dismissiveness, or is that just me? No, but, um, I definitely think that there are, are challenges that we as women have that that I don't know that men that men face. Um, I, I think that I, I used to call it um, back in the day when I was younger is that you have to. There are times when you have to dumb down pretty, if that makes sense. <laughs> but. Um, only in, in how you're dealing with certain situations. But I don't ever like to see people dumb down their intelligence, right? So when it comes to, you know, if you are a pretty woman, pretty woman, which you're, you are, you have to be conscious of how you come across, right? You have to be, um, you got to walk that line between um, being flirty, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. versus getting um, getting your point across. And I think that that's a challenge for younger women. And as um, for me, as an older woman, it's I feel like it's my responsibility to help women stand up and be stronger. Not necessarily like you don't. That doesn't take you very far. Like there's nothing wrong with being strong. I think that. Um, it can people can take it as you know oh you're like confidence can come across as bitchy right or cocky mm-hmm. or or some of those words and I really think that comes more from women because I find when you get around other strong women they don't have that same issue but if you are a strong woman and you're around a lot of women who aren't quite there yet or are still working on their confidence um, that it can be intimidating and 
so I think that we have to work on not intimidating those people. But you can't give up who you are for someone else either. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I think there's also, um, and I know I've I've faced it, where it's the difference of, you know, as uh, as a woman, you might get called the B word. Oh, that person's being mm-hmm. the B word. And as a man, they would just be, oh, they were following up. And it's even more right. so with other women. It's kind of interesting from a uh, a staffing perspective. So, you know, again, for me, I focus on the relationship portion of it. And sometimes it just, it is what it is. I, I would definitely say that women are much harder on each other than they are on men for sure. But mm-hmm. I think that it's changing dramatically. I know, like, in my generation, I look at, the things that my mom had to deal with. My mom passed away a few years ago, but I look at, you know, I was raised by a strong woman, a woman who's, you know, confident and strong and dealing, you know, she was a single mom and dealing with a lot of challenges. And I remember her her key thing to me is, you know, always make sure you know how to type so you can always take care of yourself, right? So you always have a job, so you're never dependent on somebody else and obviously it's gone way further than knowing how to type but her her key thing in there was make sure you can take care of yourself and as our generation changes and more and more women you know 65 percent of the real estate agents across the country uh, are women and so we're definitely dominating on the real estate side i don't know what the stats are for um, the loan end of it. But a a big part of why I wanted to have this conversation with you and other women is you are a strong woman and you're confident in who you are and you're extraordinarily capable in what you do. And that needs to be um, embraced and celebrated, not necessarily looked at as, oh, well, you know, you're, you're trying to be everything and you're not being a good mom or you're not being a good loan officer because you're trying to do it all. I, I think that we can do it all. Um, I know you're a shining example of that, I would say, for sure. I'm not in any way, shape, or form perfect. I would definitely say that, um, you know, there's a lot of coaching that comes into play. There are conversations even with my husband of, hey, make sure you're putting your, your phone down or your phone away. You know, it's gotten much better at that. And then there are sometimes I feel like I just totally fail, I'll be honest with you. Right. Um, you know, so it's very interesting. So my girls are five and seven, and it's interesting if I'm doing something and now they can verbalize, right, of, Mama, put your phone down, right, you know, or different things like that. It doesn't happen as often yeah. anymore, um, you know, but having kids and being married is, is a whole nother it's a whole nother dynamic, and I'm blessed to have a phenomenal um, husband that's, you know, extremely supportive. Well, I think that that the great thing about the fact that you have daughters is that you are a great example to them, right? Like, we lead by example. The more yeah. that we can show the younger generation, you know, what's possible and that, and that, you know, we don't have to do it all, but we can create an environment where we're doing a lot of the most important things well. And I think the younger generation and and your daughters are are growing up to see 
a very different world than even the world that you and I grew up in. You know, it's much mm-hmm. more accepting, thank goodness, and much more embracing of, of being able to do a lot of that. So one last question I'm going to ask, and then we'll wrap it up because I know your time is busy. What would you say for real estate agents, some of the big mistakes that they make when when either A, the process that they follow for clients, or in choosing uh, a loan officer to work with. It seems that, you know, many times we're caught in between that rock and a hard place where a client comes with a loan officer and we know that's not a good idea. Or, you know, I, I try to keep a balance and and make sure that that we're helping guide them. But what would you say some of the challenges that real estate agents face from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think you... In the real estate community, you definitely have the challenge of, especially let's say somebody comes with a lender in tow already, and maybe uh, you're not getting good communication and response. It's being able to switch and have that interaction and to have that, uh, not be afraid to have the conversation with the client for their best interest. And sometimes they have to miss out on something, um, you know, in a house that they wanted before they're going to listen to you. Right, so you know maybe that person from a lending perspective, you know, I probably say the number one thing: if somebody comes with a, a another lender, actually call that person. Um, a lot of times they'll say, "Well, they, I already thought that they were approved and they had this letter," but then they never call the lender and they never follow up to make sure did the person actually send in the documentation? Have you actually looked at it? Um, you know, a lot of times people will throw around, "Oh, I have a DU approval." the DU approval is crap. It really does not mean a whole bunch because it's only as good as what information was put in, the loan application. And if a client says, I make five grand a month, and then you really verify their employment and calculate out the income, and it's 4200 and now you have a debt ratio issue, right, you want to know to that level of detail. So there's that, there's, you know, that little bit more digging on the front end that I don't think always gets done when somebody's representing a buyer. And that also gives you a great opportunity that let's say that you can say, gosh, you know, I'm a little bit concerned the person isn't, you know, isn't responsive, so when we're writing an offer, how's that going to come into play, Um, you know, to ensure that you get the offer accepted and, you know, did you actually submit all of this? Has it actually been underwritten? Do they actually verify X, Y, and Z? And then sometimes even just asking those questions, they'll say, oh, no, I, you know, I did something online and it took five minutes. Then you go, oh, okay. Right. Do me a favor. Have a five-minute conversation with Evangeline, right? So I think there's more on that front end. Um, and I think on the in-between part is demanding communication, Um you know, I think it's crucial. I'm super big on communication. I probably over-communicate in regards to some people. Um, and I would rather there be that communication that they know what it's going to be. Like when somebody gets into contract with me, there's an intro email to all parties. They know exactly how they're going to get communicated with. It's consistent. They can rely on it, right? There's no questions to be had. Whereas a lot of times I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, man, I gave this person a lead and then I don't hear from them and then I have to follow up. Or, and then we're in contract and then I don't hear and then I have to follow up. Do right by yourself. If that person is not taking care of you, then that means they're not taking great care of your client. Why should you be in business with them? Because they were nice and bought you a cocktail, you know? (laughs) Um, I mean, I'll always tell people, look, I, this is, this is how I do business. 
Um, I have very specific systems that you can plug into, and you mm. will increase your business, and you will have better quality of life. And I'm also a relationship person. I'm not going to be the person that's out buying you coffee. Now, if we're out and about, we probably will do a shot of fireball. I'm not going to say we won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> or we won't have a good time. But I'm not, I'm not the person that's just always trying to get somebody's business from the social aspect. Um, I look at it, for me, I look at that referral partner as that's my client. Yes, the client they refer me is the client as well, but it's my job to make you look good and it's my job to get you paid. If I don't take my job seriously and run my business like a business, I not only affect that transaction for you, but I also affect the ability for you to get referrals from that person in the future. You know, I think that that's so powerful. And one thing that I would like to say to real estate agents is exactly that. Run your business like a business, you know, not just like a part-time hobby that you kind of do on the side. You know, there's a a saying that most agents get in the business piss off their family and friends and get out in less than a year, right? So, you know, really, really look at it as a business. So, all right, one last question. I lied. So the last one is, what's your book that you're on right now for book club? Oh, Raving Fans. We're starting Raving Fans. An oldie but goodie. It is an oldie but goodie. That's one of my all-time favorite books. I have that on my shelf right now. Very good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, Evangeline, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I admire you a ton, and I'm going to make every effort to come out to your thing on the 6th. I saw the invite. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, and I have a ton of respect and admiration for you, and I'm really proud of how far you've come and, and what an extraordinary leader you're becoming in our industry. So thank you well, very thank much. thank you. And, and I'll just put out the, the invite um, in that, because one of the things that you had mentioned that's important to you is the women in business and the focus. So if anybody out there, um, you know, has questions, you know, I, I feel like we're all here to be able to support each other, feel free to reach out to me. Thank you so much. And we'll be posting links to reach out to Evangeline on our blog when we post this. So thank you again, and go out and make it a great day. Okay, thanks so much. Bye.